everyone, and we are live. We like to say good morning to everyone and those that are present. We like to say good morning to those that are watching us online or uh, worldwide community that are listening in. And we are thankful and grateful that the Lord has allowed us another opportunity to gather together to hear his word. And we just honor him. We just honor him. And right now I want to say to those that's out there watching that I am toe up from the flow up. Uh, that's, that's where I am this morning. But I'm giving him praise and glory and honor. And so this morning we want to begin in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to talk about uh, the testing ground the testing ground, the testing ground. This past week, this past week on Wednesday, we were we were uh, in the presence of the Lord, and he began to speak to us about life outside of the garden, dealing with Adam and Eve, and how they were perfect beings. They were perfect, perfect in spirit. They knew no sin. They, they had no idea, no understanding about good and evil. But all they knew was good. They didn't know anything outside of that. But when it came down to the fact that they had failed, they had disobeyed God, they ended up and they were expelled from the garden. They were, they were expelled from the garden. And because they were expelled from the garden, they stepped out into a world that they were not familiar with. They, they were not familiar with that world that they stepped out into. They had left the, the, the perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. They had left Eden where God had placed them. And now when they, when they failed, they had to walk into a world, a uh, world that's very unfamiliar. And I guess the best way to bring it to our understanding and our attention is like a, a newborn baby. When you think about a baby for nine months, he's in the mother's womb, and that's his world for nine months. Or if by chance if he comes earlier, it's still that's his world. Then all of a sudden he has to leave that world that he's familiar with and he comes out and he's experiencing a brand new world that he's never experienced before. So I can equate that with the expelling of Adam and Eve, uh, how they felt. And, and there was a lot more detail that you can go into when you read the book of Adam and Eve, which is not in your King James Version. But it gives you a... a a, a little bit of history, or it fills in some um, empty spaces to help us uh, understand even the more. And so today, this morning, we want to talk about the testing ground. Because of the fact they had a testing ground, because they had to go into a world that was totally unfamiliar. They had to fend for themselves. And they desired to get back in the presence of God, but they could not get back into the presence of God. So this morning, we are now fast forward, bringing it forward. 
As we begin to talk about the testing ground, we want to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. We want to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. And we will begin reading at the very first verse. It says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess uh, the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now, as God has been speaking, let's go to verse number 2. Because here it is, the children of Israel has been released from bondage. They've, they've been released from Egypt. All right? And so they're entering in to a different domain that they're not familiar with. Now, verse number 2 says, And thou shalt remember. Remember is a very key word. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. This is why we end up in the wilderness. He says, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So we have to understand that we are operating just like they were in a, in a wilderness land. We're in a wilderness. And God has a purpose and he has a reason why he takes us um, around and around and around in a wilderness state. Now, you got to remember that when the children of Israel, when they first began their journey, their journey was only supposed to take 11 days. 11 days. And what happened? It took them 40 years to do an 11-day journey. Wow, that's rough, right? Now, you're supposed to be 11 days to get from point A to point B, and then it takes you from point A all the way past Z. Forty years they were wandering in the wilderness. And in our own personal life, there's a reason why we wander in what we can call that a, a wandering or a wilderness experience because there's some things God wants to reveal to all of us. Amen. So in verse number two, the first thing he says is this. He says, now I'm going to lead you these 40 years in the wilderness. And then he says to humble thee. To humble thee. Purpose of our wilderness journey is to humble us. Now, you would think by now we would have learned that we need to be humbled, right? That's the first thing God deals with us about, whether or not we're humble. Because in this life, we can easily become puffed up or become prideful. Amen? But it's amazing that the first thing he deals with when he brings them out of the wilderness and he tells them, he says, I need to humble you. So that means we got some problems. They had some problems, right? All right, so let's go now. Let's go. We're going to deal with this, this being humble. You know, uh, let's go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 
chapter number 7, I believe it is. Second Chronicles chapter number 7. Second Chronicles. Now, to hum, hum, the word humble, it means to listen, to receive, to respond to life, to submit, to obey the convictions that God placed within our heart. To be humble. We got to be able to receive instructions. We got to be willing to listen, not have, I thank you, Holy Spirit, not to have selective hearing. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I have selective hearing. Amen. We hear what we want to hear, right? (laughs) And that we don't want to hear, we won't hear, all right? And then it seems like somehow man has a problem of submitting. We don't like to submit. We don't like to submit. And we definitely do not like to obey because the things that God tells us to obey, we don't want to do that. We like to do it our way. But when we go to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter number 7, and looking at verse number 13, it says, if, God is speaking, he says, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. All right? And then he says, verse 14, because we're going to go back to 13. 14 says, if my people, which are called by my name. And what does he say? The first thing he says is, shall humble themselves. Is that not the same thing he said to the children of Israel when they came out of bondage? The first thing he spoke to them was about humility, to humble themselves. Then he says, pray. You know, it's it's strange that mankind does not know how to humble himself. And definitely we we have really gotten away from praying because he says, and pray and seek my face. And then he says, and turn from their wicked ways. Now, you remember in the beginning, he said, if my people. So he's saying, my people, God's people, got some wickedness in them. That's what he's saying. Then he says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal thy land. So what we have to understand when he's talking about, he's saying we need to humble ourselves. The first thing he lets us know that if heaven is shut up, he said, if I have shut up heaven. In other words, the only thing that can shut up heaven to us is sin. Sin will shut up heaven. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about how the locusts could devour the the land. In other words, the land can be stripped of the the necessity of things that we need. Then he goes on and he says, if he sends pestilence among his people, he gives us the instructions of what we, God's people, are supposed to do. Number one, he said, we got to humble ourselves. To be humble is the opposite of being prideful. And sometimes we got too much pride, right? So so we have to humble ourselves. God, he's talking. Now, he ain't talking to the son of man. He's not talking to the son of man. God is talking to his people. He said, now, you got to humble yourself. 
and, and, and come away from those prideful ways. But then he also talks about and pray. How, how, how much time or how many churches actually do a whole lot of praying or have time set aside to pray to be in the presence of the Lord? The number one thing they wanted to do with the schools was take prayer out of the schools. That lets me know prayer is very powerful. And how many people, how many in the body of Christ literally take the time to pray? Think about it. We can, we can do a whole lot of other things, but we don't give God that, that time set aside just him and us or him and you. Or him and me. I don't leave myself out. Okay. So he's saying if we do these things. You know. Thank you Holy Spirit. One of the readings. And, 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 and um, I almost said again. Minister Wade. Deacon Wade. Deacon Wade said about a paper that we gave out on yesterday. Dealing from the book of Second Ezra. And, and the last sentence uh, as it was talking about. What was happening in the end time and the, in the revelation that was given to Second Ezra, that last sentence that was given, it says, if we fasted and prayed, then more would be revealed. So if we would fast and pray, there would be a whole lot of more things that God would reveal to us. See, I read that line, but I didn't catch that line. But Deacon Wade caught that line. He said, we must do, need to do some more uh, uh, fasting and praying. So think about how much fasting we do. Amen, lights. Amen. How much fasting do we do? You know, we, we spoke about praying, but, you know, fasting, how much fasting do we do? Because God will reveal even more things if we would fast and pray. But we kind of love to indulge, right, and satisfy our flesh. But, you know, fasting, not only you can abstain from food, but the greatest thing that we need to fast from is the thing they call the cell phone. If you want to get hit, take the cell phone. Now, people go crazy when they can't use their cell phone. Amen. Hello. We can't cut it off. We, we, we think we have to have that little apparatus. And when you, when you analyze and you think about it, whatever is in that apparatus that is connected to, it can give you a disease that you, we do not need. So we have to be careful with that, with that little thing. So there are different things. You could abstain from watching TV. Your favorite program. And some folks still watch that. I don't understand it, but they still be watching them days of my life, days of your lives and all that stuff, you know, that's come on about 12 o'clock, you know. I, I, I've, got, I've got two, they're going to get me for this. i got two sisters that, that, that will record it in case they miss it. That means they'll be able to go back to it. I'm like, come on. That's, that, that's not even real. That's not real life. But it would, there are things like that that we can basically, we can, we can fast from, okay? 
But then he acknowledges the fact that his people that are called by his name, that we are wicked. Help, Lord. Help. Help us, Lord. Help us. But, you know, what's also amazing is as he began to to tell us what needs to be done, in order for us to endure, get through the testing ground that the Lord has placed us in, this, this wilderness experience, and he tells us about humbling and, 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 and what he needs to do to prove, to prove, to test us. Now, let's go to the book of St. Luke, chapter number 3. We're going to talk about this, this wilderness. Um, what, what else does the wilderness do? You know, what, uh, what are some of the other things this wilderness experience brings about in our life. We understand its purpose, humble, to test, to prove what's in our heart. God already knows what's in our heart. Now, we've all got to go through the wilderness experience, all right? But there is a purpose for it, all right? Now, looking at St. Luke chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 21, it says, now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized, and what is he doing? Praying. It says, the heaven was open. The heaven was open. And the next verse, verse 22, it says, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape, like a dove, upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, when he talked about that, when he brought the children of Israel, and he revealed to them that he wanted to deal with the humbleness, then he talks about, he said, I've got to prove thee. Now, the word prove thee there in that text means to test. And not only did he test, but he used Jesus Christ because there, there were baptizing going on, and John the Baptist was there. But when Jesus himself was baptized, it showed a, a declaration of sonship. In other words, it identified who he was. And when God tests us, it makes a determination of who we are. Because, see, either we're going to fail in the wilderness, or we're going to die out in the wilderness, or we're going to come out with power when we go through our wilderness state. So the wilderness place is it's a training ground. It's a place to, of, of solitude. It's, it's a desert. All right? But I found something interesting in that verse 22, Luke chapter number 3, and I'm glad he left this up. It says, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. The Holy Spirit, it descended in a bodily shape like a dove. And I'm like, okay, like a dove. I've that that I've seen that before. I, I've I have seen 
that before. A dove symbolizes peace on the earth. If, if, if you think about during the time of Noah, during the time of the flood, after a certain amount of time, Noah sends out, he sends out a raven. Raven comes back. Then he sends out a dove. Why did he send out the dove? The dove is symbolic of peace. Jesus Christ, the, Bi- the Bible was saying that the dove, the Holy Spirit, descended on his shoulder like a dove in bodily form. It symbolized the fact that Jesus was bringing peace to the earth. In other words, he was bringing rest. He's bringing rest. Just like when, 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 when Noah sends that dove out, he sends it out, and it returns. The first time it didn't return. Go back and read the story. <laughs> There's some good stuff back there. He, the first time he sends it, the dove did not come back because he couldn't find. Oh, Holy Spirit. You see what's happening? The Holy Spirit is looking for somebody that he can rest on, that he can land on. That, that when he lands on us, he will not be disturbed. He's looking. He's looking. Can he, oh, Holy Spirit, can he land on, Brenda, can he land on you? Can he land on y'all and, and remain? <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit, can he land there and, and be in a restful state? See, when Christ comes, he brings peace on the earth because before that it was total chaos. I said, Lord, God said, I'm going to test him. Hmm. Sonship. Identifying who you are. And then God said, I want to know what's in your heart. You need to know. We need to know what's in our heart. Which would be a determining factor whether or not we're going to obey God or not. Now, let's go, let's go now to St. Matthew. Let's go to St. Matthew chapter number 4. God has a, a, a strange sense of humor. He has just identified who his son is. He's just allowed the Holy Spirit in a bodily form like a dove to descend on his son. Look at the next thing that he does. Matthew chapter number 4, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the what? Wilderness to be tempted, wow, of the devil. When he gets through, when when God finishes making a determination, when he begins to say, or when we begin to name the name of Jesus Christ, and he says, you, this is, you, we are his children. We are the sons of God. This is who we are. The next thing he does in our wilderness state, he leads us into the wilderness to be tempted. And you know the devil's got a whole lot of things that he tempts us with. You would think, okay, I've been, been validated. This is who I am. You know, I, I, I'm a child of the most high God. You know how it is when you first get saved. Huh. 
When you first get saved, you just really, you're really riding. You're really caught up, and you want to always do some things when it comes down to God. You want to tell everybody about Jesus. You just can't wait. You're making a difference. You're making a difference in somebody else's life. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, well, no, hold, 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 hold up. I got to send you to the wilderness. Because there in the wilderness is where you are tested to see what you got on the inside. Anybody been tested? <laughs> been tested to see where you're going to hold on to your faith or if you're going to continue to obey God? See, all of this is, is necessary in our wilderness condition, in our wilderness state, in our wilderness experience. We have to be tested to see if we will continue to call on the name of Jesus Christ. And, and he didn't make no bones about it. He said, you're going to be tempted by the devil. You're going to be tempted by the devil. Don't ever think that, you know, we, we, we give our flesh too much credit. We give our flesh too much credit. We give our flesh too much credit. We say, well, if we do something, oh, it was my flesh. But let me tell you all something. A spirit has to have a body to live in. And when he gets through with you to do his bidding, then that spirit ups and leaves your body or my body, and he's on his way, and he's just left you holding the bag. That's how that operates. As long as we do not see and understand that it is Satan, the devil, that spirit, because he's got to live somewhere. You remember when the Bible talked about how that man had his, had his house clean and garnished? In other words, he just accepted Jesus Christ. But it, he didn't replace it with anything. See, once we come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we've got to replace it with something. We've got to have the Word of God. We've got to have prayer. We've got to have worship. We've got to replace it. But that spirit will leave up out of there. And once that spirit leaves up out of there, the Bible says he goes out walking through dry ground. In other words, he's looking for somebody else. He's looking for another victim because he just got through with you or me. We understand that. He's looking for another victim. And then the Bible goes on and he talks about, now listen, once, once he's done and he's walking, he's, he's looking for some dry ground. You know, somebody ain't got no water. No water means he ain't got no word in them. Okay? That's what he's looking for. And then when he, when he finds that the, pe- the children of God, the people of God, they are filled up with Jesus, you know what he does next? He said, mm, I'm going back to my house. Now, he's calling your house his house. He said, I'm going back to my house. But listen, he doesn't go by himself. He gets some more demons, some more devils with him, and he, and he says the last state of that man is worse than the first state. So he's got to have a body to live in. He's got to have a body to live in. Spirits has to live in a body. They cannot operate outside of a body. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Now, sends him out to the wilderness. He drives him out to the wilderness. He drives him out to the wilderness to be tested. You have to be tested. Now, let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. 
chapter number 8. And we're going to look at verse number 3. Looking at verse number 3. Because he's, he said there in verse number 2, he's going to prove what was in the heart. And, and, and the reason being is to see whether or not we're going to keep his commandments or not. Now, in verse number 3, he says, this is what he's talking about, the reason why he didn't send, you, send us into the wilderness, have that wilderness experience. And he humbled thee. The wilderness will humble you. Those wilderness experiences that we have will humble us. It will cause us to submit. It will cause us to honor God. That's what will happen. Then he goes on and he says, and he humbled thee. And look at this. I'm going to show you all this in a minute too. He humbled thee. He suffered thee to do what? To hunger. And fed thee with manna, which is, which is angel food, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doeth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doeth man live. I live, I move, and I have my being. That's what Jesus said. I live I move, and I have my being in Christ Jesus. But when I looked at verse number 3, and after he said he humbled thee, then he said he suffered thee to be hungry. He says he suffered thee to be hungry. Do we not know that when Jesus was led and driven into the wilderness. He was led. When the devil came to him, and he says, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, the very first thing he says is this, if you be the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. Because prior to that, it talks about how Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible goes on and he said, and he hungered. Read the text. It said, he hungered. Is that not another way we read over in Deuteronomy when he's talking about he humbled them and he suffered them to hunger? See, God knows what it takes for us to come under submission. Jesus, with his first battle with Satan, after he fasted, he was hungry, and the enemy said, Now listen, you need to turn these stones into bread. But, but, but Jesus did not do as we sometimes will do. Huh. Jesus spoke the word. He said, Man should not live by bread alone, but, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, the way we live is through his word. This is how we're able to get from place to place. This is how we, oh, Holy Spirit. This is how we can leave this world and get to eternity. The only way we can get to eternity is through his word. We got to have his word within us. That is what helps us. So, therefore, in our wilderness condition, we have to understand that we need the word of God. Listen. 
I wonder, question, I wonder how many people actually study the Bible for themselves at home. Talking about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about here local. I'm talking about the body of Christ. How many people within the body of Christ literally actually sit down, spend quality time with God, and study God's Word? I'm not talking about no reading. Reading and studying is two different things. Totally different. But how many of us, how many within the body of Christ, I'm speaking to the body, all those that are listening, in the body of Christ, spend quality time in the Word of God. Think about it. And that's, that's where our life is. That's what the Bible says. This is the, the Word of God is our life. This is how we live. This is how we move. This is how we have our being. But how many in the body... That name, the name of Jesus Christ, actually study the Word of God. Well, I go to church. Let me tell you something about church. Besides, God, God talks about kingdom. But Jesus validified the church. Preacher. No, I've never been, I guess I probably was guilty of it to some degree. They open the Bible, tell you go to a certain text. They read one passage, one one text, and then they take off somewhere. What journey they're on, I don't know. But they don't take you through the Word. Now, if you're not reading at home and you're not getting into that church, the assembly, thank you, because we are the church. If you're not getting it, uh, the building that we assemble ourselves together in, well, how are we getting it? I'm talking about the word, the word that gives us life. How are we getting it? I'm not trying to bash no preacher, but if you're guilty, you need to change. Because one man, I'll never forget one preacher said, when he gets to do that, he said that was his gravy. I said, Lord have mercy, you need to put some meat in it. Come on. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about being able to be with the Father forever. And listen, that ain't happened, what we've been getting. I call it cornflakes. I call it cornflakes. You know why I call it cornflakes? I've eaten cornflakes before. Cornflakes don't hold me. I'm greedy. I got to have that, you know, I got to have the grits, the eggs, the bacon. I got to have the whole nine yards to be full. So the cornflakes don't help me. Have mercy, Lord. Now, he says now, he, he said now, I fed you manna, which was angel food. God will suffer us to, to hunger. How many of us are, are hungry and thirsting, being thirsty for righteousness sake? How many people in the body of Christ, our thirst is for righteousness? Our hunger 
is for righteousness, right living. We read that in Second Ezra yesterday about huh, a man going down the road. And yet he presents a question to another person. And he says, have you seen any righteous pass by? And you know what the man's response was? No. I wonder if we took a survey. We went out in the world and we took a survey. I wonder what would be the answer to that question. Have you seen any righteous go by today? Will it be yes or will it be no? Because right now we've got unrighteousness prevailing more so than people that has, that's living in right standing with God. Righteousness. Lord, help us. We're almost done. Almost there. Now, we have to understand that before we can enter into a place of rest, testing has to come. We've got to be tested. We've got to go through that wilderness experience. Let's go now to the book of Exodus. We're almost done. Let's go to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 16. Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter number 16. Exodus chapter number 16. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter number 15. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what we have called that little monitor. Exodus. All right. Chapter number 15. And beginning at verse, reading at verse number 22. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Sur. Now that word there means wall. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, you got to remember now, when he brings them, the children of Israel, he brings them out of bondage, God drowns their enemy in the Red Sea. Well, the next event that takes place is they're celebrating. They're celebrating. They're playing the timbrel. They're so excited. They had a victory. All right? Think about what, how we respond after our victories, think about it. Think about how we respond after our victories. Remember, you're still in that wilderness condition, still in that wilderness experience. So they went three days in the wilderness, and then it says they found no water. Watch what happens when we, when we can't get what we think that we need. Verse number 23 says, and when they came to Mara, which means bitter, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. Now, verse number 24 in Exodus chapter 15 says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? We complain in the wilderness, right? When we're going through our wilderness experience. Maybe y'all don't, but I do. Sometimes I do. 
Ah, sometimes I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. They complain. Now, they've had a victory. They've celebrated. But remember now, there's a test time. Because, see, where we are is, is, is a testing ground. They ended up, after that victory, they're only three days into difficulties. Now, they are complaining to the leaders. They're complaining. They're complaining. Now, say they ain't got no water. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter number 16. Exodus chapter number 16, and beginning to read in verse number 2. It says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, they had a problem with the leaders. They got, mind you, they didn't even think about where they came from because they was in bondage. They cried to God. They wanted to be released from bondage. God takes them through the way of wilderness because he says, by chance, if they run upon anything as far as war, they'll want to turn around and go back from where they came from. Many times you will find people in the body of Christ that wants to turn around and go back to that old way of life, which is bondage. And they will complain because of the mere fact God is testing them to see really what's in your heart. Are you willing to keep his commandments, obey him, submit to his will, or elude difficulties will cause us to want to go back? It's strange how the things in our past that brought us hardship, when God tries to bring us forward, that the least little difficulty will make us want to go back. Listen, ain't nothing back there in the world for me. Ain't nothing back there. There's nothing back there that I want because ain't nothing back there except death and hell. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Death and hell. That's all things back there. But they begin to complain. They complain. They complain. Watch what they say in verse, did I read verse number three? They talk about how, and the children of Israel said unto them, would to God. Look at this craziness. And the children of Israel, those that at that time had been called out one, said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Keep this up here. Now look at this. They've been, been delivered, and all because they had no water, and, and, and at least talking about the food, they turn around and say, they wish they had died in the land of Egypt. Who wants to die in bondage and be lost forever? I mean, that's what they said. And then it says, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this will test ground, the testing ground, to kill this whole assembly, hear that word again, with what? 
hunger. Remember reading that over in Deuteronomy where I go, we talked about that hunger. He tested them with hunger. It's a strange thing that our bellies will cause us to want to go back. If that ain't stupid, I don't know what is. I mean, they complain. Talking about they wish they could have, should have died back there in their sins. Come on. Think about today. Then he said, you know, you brought us out here in this wilderness to kill the whole assembly. All because they were, had, thank you, Holy Spirit, they had a divided mind. They were straddling the fence of the world and of God. They had a divided mind. I'm like, come on. And then verse number 4 in Exodus chapter number 16 says, Then said the Lord unto Moses. This is why we got to be careful about how we're murmuring. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. I'm going to bless you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may, what's that word? Prove them. You remember in Deuteronomy chapter number 8? To prove them, it means to test them. It says, whether they will walk in my law. In other words, whether or not you're going to do my will, walk in my commandments. It's whole purpose here. This is why I'm going to do this. Hmm. Now, I'm going to give you some bread, all right. He gave them bread from, he gave them manna, and then he gave them some quail to eat, some meat, quail. Gave them so much quail, they couldn't eat it all. It was coming up out of their mouth. Sometimes God will give us so much of what we want that we like, oh, I don't want no more of this. But it, all it had to do with the fact that they were complaining in the wilderness, in that wilderness experience. See, in the wilderness, you know, you, you, you're in lack. But God provides for you even in your difficult days. He provides for us. That's, that's the follow that we serve. And then look at verse number 7. We've got two verses and then we're done. Verse number 7 says, watch God. And in the morning, breakthrough, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord. For that he, what he does, heareth your murmuring. Anybody been murmuring here lately? Against what? The Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses and said, why are you murmuring against us? And you're murmuring, murmuring against God. True enough, none of us like to be in the wilderness or have wilderness experiences. (laughs) Hardship. Things that we're like, why do I have, anybody ever said that? Why I got to go through this? Or am I the only one? (laughs) But we say it right. We're murmuring. We're asking the why. He's trying to check check us out to see what we really have so we can know and see what we really got going on on the inside of us. He already know. We are the ones that has to know. It's just like this. 
I'm going to read that last verse in a minute. It's just like this. It's easy to shout and praise and run all over the church when you got money in the bank, you got food in your cupboard. I mean, you, 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 you're driving the best, you're wearing nightclubs. I mean, you, you think you got it all going materialistically. But would you still celebrate God if he stripped you of nothing, to down to nothing? See, that's where the real test is. That's the real test. It's easy for me to tell you, oh, God's going to provide, God's going to make a way. Yes, he will. Your cupboard is full and mine is empty. But what happens if the shoe is put on, on, a, on a different foot? You're wearing the empty cup and I'm wearing the full cup. Can you still celebrate God? See, that's the thing. It's easy to tell somebody. You know, you go out there and witness to be, oh, yeah, God will provide. Paul says, I've learned how to be abased and I've learned how to be content. In other words, Paul had experienced both sides of the spectrum. He had been hungry and he had been full. So he knew both sides of the spectrum. But he kept on giving God praise. He kept on, and that's where we have to do in our wilderness experience. All right, now verse number 8, last verse, verse number 8. It says, and Moses said, for all of us complainers, <laughs> for all of us uh, murmurers, okay, and Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmuring, which ye murmur against who? Against him. See, when we murmur, we, we, we're really upset with God. We think we're upset with man, but we're not upset with man. We're really murmuring to, against God. And then the last uh, line says, And what are we, your murmuring are not against us, but against the Lord. That's dangerous. I was complaining, I don't want this. All I got in the refrigerator is this. I get tired of just drinking this water. I don't want no more beans. I want to have me a steak. I used to eat steak. Come on. Be thankful. Some people don't have nothing. Those that's living on the street, they're having a fend for what they get. 